Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go, Thursday afternoon, a Thursday that just feels like a Wednesday, but could also feel like Friday if you let yourself go there. All the days kind of running together, but at least it is beautiful outside. Sports Talk Mississippi, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. As we get started, we remind you that the C Spire text line is open. 601-879-4395 is the number. Again, 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care. They're taking action to show it throughout this COVID-19 issue that we're dealing with. And every day, now more than ever, Mississippi needs to stay connected. And C Spire is working to make that happen. They're offering free wireless data for educational websites. They're connecting businesses with the tools Necessary to work from home, and they're even partnering with our friends at UMMC to turn the Seaspire Health app into a free virtual triage center for anyone who is experiencing symptoms of COVID 19. And they're giving wireless customers on eligible unlimited plans an extra 25 gigabytes of high speed data each month, making it even easier for all of us to stay in touch through this time. Just a few of the ways that Seaspire is working to help in our communities. You can learn more online at cspire.com slash cares. We are glad to have you along for the ride on this Thursday afternoon. I was worried that Borky was going to be in one of his uh, one of his great moods today. Right before we connected, I was like, hey, Borky, are you there? His response was, yeah. <laughs> and I sat there for a second. I said, well, are you happy today? Nothing. Nothing. Didn't say anything. And then finally he goes, oh, I was just talking to Rippy. Yeah, I'm good. What's up, Borky? Man, one of the craziest... Okay, that's a little hyperbole. But one of the more unique things in sports happened last night. And so okay. there, there's a conversation about whether or not if you have games without fans, should you pump in crowd noise and stuff to make it feel authentic? Well, here's my counterpoint against doing that. Admittedly, I didn't watch UFC last night. I, I just didn't. Uh, But I saw video on Twitter, as I do most things, and there was a fight last night that apparently was an absolute bloodbath uh, between a guy named Glover Teixeira and Anthony Smith. If I'm saying his last name correctly, Teixeira was just beating the brakes off of Anthony Smith. Like, Smith was on the ground handing his teeth to the official. His teeth were getting knocked out of his face. And most people were saying that the fight should have been called in the fourth, And at the break after the fourth, he was telling his ring people, he's knocking my teeth out. And they still, they threw him out there to fight. And everybody in UFC world was saying, that fight needs to be called. This is is a bloodbath. At one point in the fight, and I'll send you the video if you want to see it. 
Glover uh, Teixeira is on top of his opponent, who he's just beating the brakes off of. And they're both kind of calm for a second. And Glover says, sorry, Anthony, this is part of the job. And he replies, what? He goes, sorry, it's part of the job. And, and Smith replies, yeah, it is what it is. And they, they went back to fighting. Like the guy was apologizing to his opponent, I'm beating you so bad, but since they're not stopping, I've got to keep going. I'm sorry. And the guy replied, it is what it is. Keep, keep beating me. And you saw, wow. that was, it was live on the broadcast. You could hear it clear as day. Hmm. And you think if they had been pumping in crowd noise, you would have missed that interaction? You, you may not have heard it. Or if there was a crowd at all, of course, I'd rather have that. But you may not have heard that or seen that. That's um, it's a pretty neat deal. Kind of absolutely takes you uh, inside the ring and reminds you why you don't want to be an <laughs> MMA fighter. Nope. Not interested, not one little bit. I don't know. Hey, Dad, has that ever been something you uh, have thought that you'd like to be a part of, maybe take a shot at in uh, in a second career, be an MMA fighter? No, it hasn't occurred to me. I have, I have a buddy who was a uh, who did some, uh, some uh, I don't know, minor league is the right word, down there in Jackson, did some fighting. He, he's a, he owns a judo gym now. And, uh, yeah, I don't want any part of that. I'm trying to figure out why that guy didn't just tap. Tap out. You could you you could just quit. You know, if you if it's that bad, just put your hand on the mat. And I don't know that anybody would blame you for it. If you're, if you're picking up your own teeth, yeah, I don't yep. think anybody's yep. going to say that guy's a wuss. There there is a line somewhere that is drawn, and you are not crossing any kind of a quitter line if you have to pick up your teeth and hand them to the referee uh, to be able to continue. Rippy. What's up on a Thursday? Yeah, not much. Uh, I think, though, that's more so on the referee to stop the fight, because I don't think the guy... Yeah, I, I've never seen a UFC guy I agree tap. with that. Because they were talking about how the... Uh, what was the... Uh, uh, Gaethje, who, who did he, he fought Ferguson Saturday, and they were talking about how that fight maybe should have been stopped a little earlier, but the guy, to his credit, did stop it before it got too out of control. Think, yeah. uh, so did, did think, you watch UFC last night? No, I didn't. I just I, I actually went home with the intention of doing so, and then just got distracted with uh, like other things, and then Shark Tank, and just like honestly, completely, completely forgot. But I intended to. I'll watch Saturday. I watched a little bit of Shark Tank last night, just kind of flipping through, and it's like one of those things where if I see it, it's like okay, I'll stop and watch for a little while, and then it's hard to change the channel once it start uh, once you start watching. And then I listened to a podcast, uh, a guy who uh, who wrote. American Kingpin, which topically enough is about the guy who created Silk Road and is now in prison. You and Silk Road—that's uh, two days in a row where we get that reference from you, I believe. Uh, no, I'm just saying. Like we we're talking about how Haydad basically ran that thing. <laughs> yeah. What is what is that? I don't even know what that is. I didn't get the reference yesterday. Uh, it's basically like like we were talking about the dark web. It's basically like the Amazon Prime for narcotics. Oh, it, okay. If I, I figure if I run that, I would have a little bit more money than I actually have. But, you know. Yeah, this guy did have a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I've been doing for the last oh, almost hour and a half? So I was scrolling through Twitter um, as I was picking up lunch today. Great plate of catfish from uh, Taylor Grocery's catering truck. Just saying. 
And I saw a tweet from Neil Price, who is the radio play-by-play voice at Mississippi State. And it said, here are the links to our vocal distancing gathering of the SEC football announcers. It was fun seeing and hearing everybody, their stories about how we're going through life and our favorite broadcasters. Hope you enjoy it. They had a Zoom call that had Eli Gold, Neil Price, Andrew Monaco from Texas A&M, David Kellum, Andy Burcham from Auburn, uh, Mick Hubert from Florida, Tom Leach from Kentucky, Scott Howard from Georgia, Chuck Barrett from Arkansas, Mike Kelly from Missouri, Todd Ellis from South Carolina, Joe Fisher from Vanderbilt, Bob Kessling from Tennessee, and Chris Blair from LSU. All 14 radio football play-by-play announcers were on a Zoom call together. And I thought, oh, I'll watch a couple of minutes of this. And it just kind of drew me in. Now, admittedly, I'm a little bit of a radio junkie. And I know all 14 of those guys. You know, I've met them, I've visited with them, some of them, you know, reasonably close with, certainly uh, somewhere between acquaintances and friends. And I couldn't put it down. It's an hour and 41 minute long Zoom call. I've made it through about an hour and 20 minutes of it, and I'm going to watch the last 20 minutes or so uh, of it later this evening. But if you're looking for something to kill some time that's interesting, that's funny, uh, that's a little informative, especially if you're kind of a radio junkie, like maybe you grew up listening to uh, the Cardinals uh, on KMOX on the radio. Lots and lots and lots of people had stories about uh, about Jack Buck. Or you've just kind of listened to whatever on the radio through the years, sports-related. You got to check that out. You can uh, you can find the link um, on Neil's Twitter feed, at Hale State Voice, and you can either watch it in video form on YouTube or listen to the entire um, audio podcast of it through Apple Podcasts. Um pretty pretty good and i will uh, i'll tweet the link to it as well if you want to uh, check that out a little bit later on maybe reach out and see if we can get neil on and get him to uh come on maybe tomorrow and uh, talk to us some about uh how he put that together and uh, some of the stuff that stood out to him it was uh, it was pretty fascinating does that do anything uh, rippy my guess is that's probably not the most interesting thing to you I, i'm not trying to typecast here i it just kind of from knowing you Hey, Dad, I would think that that would be fascinating to you and Borky. I'm not sure where you would fall on it. It would be interesting. I might check it out. I don't know. I'm not – I wouldn't use the term radio junkie to describe myself the way you did. Yeah. But but it's not, it's certainly of interest to me. Yeah. I'd probably listen. There you go. So I was wrong. Long as it's not during Shark Tank. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 14 football announcers from the SEC not going to trump Mark Cuban and company on Sharp Tank for uh, Rippy. I got right, a bunch of. Yeah, indeed. Did they buy any companies last night? I only saw the last two pitches, and they both got uh, sent to the uh, meat locker. Which episode? I watched three. Oh, um, that whichever one was live on NBC last <laughs> night. <laughs> there were companies bought. Uh, there's some news to get to. We'll do that when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming with you at supertalk.fm. Heard you got a Prius because you're into being green. That's a line that nobody would have imagined in a country song a decade or two ago. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this 
Thursday afternoon. I saw Justin Moore uh, in college, and he took the stage with a bottle of whiskey in his hand. Mm. I don't know much about this guy, and he may be a very, I'm sure he's a very talented artist, but like the lyrics to that song, when people like to stereotype modern country music and like make fun of it, that's like the poster child. (laughs) That is 100% the poster child. He acted like sushi was some sort of like artificial kale. Like, come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Heard y'all eat that sushi stuff that don't sound like you. Guy's never been to ginseng. Mmm. Bangkok roll. I'm in. Uh, On May 22nd, so that is eight days from today, the 14 presidents slash chancellors in the Southeastern Conference will vote on whether or not to lift the restrictions for on-campus athletic activities uh, that are currently set to expire on May 31st. Uh, In the news cycle that we're in, I suppose a lot could change between now and then. Um, But I had a friend that texted me earlier today and said, uh, don't you think that the SEC doesn't make the announcement that this vote is coming unless they know it's going to be 14 to nothing? The league really loves unanimous votes on most matters. What do you think about that? Well, the first thing I think was, didn't the uh, th- this came from the LSU chancellor, correct, or somebody at LSU? I think I'm they not walked hundred percent sure where it originated. I think they walked it back and said that there there's no set date for for anything like that. So, oh, but that said, a, a vote is going to come, and I do agree with they won't they won't make anything public until they're one hundred percent positive that yeah, it's going to be fourteen nothing. You need unanimity, but more than anything, you need that unified front. Right. I don't even know if you you need it. You're just going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much horse trading is going on behind the scenes kind of leading up to that vote, how much convincing is having to happen, or if you've got all 14 chancellors, presidents who are pretty much in lockstep you got to think that they are sort of in lockstep, right? Because they know how much money's on the line here. They know their universities can't function without that huge check every year. they got to have it. So, yeah, i, I got to think that, for the most part, everybody is going to be in agreement that, that football, ha- that the schools have, and that football has to happen. Yeah, you, you may be onto something on, uh, on that front. I, I guess there are maybe some unique circumstances um, that are out there. And, and like I said, I, I missed... Um, here it is. Verge Osberry, who is an executive at LSU, this is according to uh, Brooks Kubina, said presidents in the SEC will vote on whether players will return to campus on June 1st or June 15th. The quote is, that's what we're trying to do, the big piece of this, to bring everybody back. So I, I guess that was the story, and maybe... The, the actual vote date changed in there. Maybe maybe that's what we're dealing with. Um, another quote from the story, it's too early to decide if there will be social distancing at Tiger Stadium. I think anybody telling you they really know what's going to happen and what they're going to do, they're not telling the truth. So uh, you can check that story out online at The Advocate. 
it it is fascinating to me that those statements would come from someone at LSU because in the SEC footprint, that's the state that has been hit the hardest. Right? I mean, you know, the, the, yeah. the cities that we were talking about in terms of outbreak were New Orleans first, and, and I'm sorry, New York first, kind of New York, New Jersey, and then Detroit, and then it was New Orleans, at least for a little while, although they've done a really good job kind of dealing with the situation in New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, Dad, I felt but, like I was interrupting you a second ago. I'm sorry. No, no. I, I, I think I'd made my point that that the, the the universities, you know, a lot of of what you're seeing, you know, universities making these statements about uh, we, we are going to have classes that have seemed to be coming out in the past few weeks. A lot of that is because now is the time where people will be putting down deposits on dorm rooms and things of that nature. They want yeah. that money coming in, so that's why these things are going to happen. It's it's just a question of money at the end of the day. There was a pretty strong statement that came from uh, Dr. Jay Gouge, who is the interim president at Auburn. I think he stepped back into that role after uh, the last guy was kind of kicked to the curb. In a recent video greeting incoming freshmen, Dr. Gouge claimed that the university is, quote, going to have football this fall, close quote as well as resume on-campus activities and instruction, including more than 500 clubs, freshman convocation, and fraternity and sorority activities for the semester. Gordon Gee, who is currently the president at West Virginia. Been a bunch of different places, right? He was at Vanderbilt for a while, was at Ohio State for a while, currently the president at West Virginia. We are going to play football in the fall, even if I have to suit up myself. By the way, if Gordon Gee's going to suit up himself, I'm on board for season tickets at West Virginia. <laughs> well, season tickets might be only about three actual game minutes before that little guy gets carted off. Not yeah. football, but st- still on like aggressively, like similar line of like aggressively trying to get things going. And then for the fall, did you see what Dana White said about like the New York Times? Did you see this whole exchange today? Yep. No, I did it not. It was awesome. We can't repeat uh, so, it on air, but basically yeah. he said, I don't give a about criticism. The, some uh, The New York Times sent a sports reporter to cover how closely they were following the guidelines they sent, like, I guess, like health guidelines. And, like, I guess he found some errors or something or whatever. And Dana White was asked about it and just said, I don't give a blank in a lot of different ways. It's pretty comfortable in his own shoes, isn't he? Because it's it's working. It's successful that the the criticism, the New York Times writer and the people on Twitter or whatever, it's just not reality. People are loving it. And more viewers than they had before this thing broke out, it's it's working. And so if you take his approach, it's going to work for you too. Well, what this this pandemic has taught me especially is that Twitter is such an echo chamber. If you, if I if if the world was how it, I perceive it on Twitter, then everybody would be willing to stay indoors maybe until the end of the year. But that's not how the real world works. People people want to get out and and that's how that's why you see, you know, the things you're seeing around this country right now. And it's so, you know, that's something if if you're somebody who's on social media a lot and you, and you think, 
Well, I don't know if this is right. You, know, you got to take into account that you're just hearing one perspective. The uh, last Silk Road reference for at least an hour, I promise. But the guy who wrote that book also uh, wrote a book called Hatching Twitter on like the founding of Twitter, and he got asked basically what his conclusion was, and he said it's the single biggest waste of time he's ever stumbled upon <laughs> using Twitter. Yeah, a picture came out of a, a bar in Wisconsin, and, and all the, the blue check mark, these writer people were saying, how dare they do that? How can they do that? Don't they know what's out there? It's like, how can they do that? They've not been allowed to for two months. That's how they can do that. They're sick of it. Yeah, that's that's that is that's if you said you wanted to sum it up, people are sick of being inside. Yes, could not agree more. Not me, not me. I'm perfectly content. But <laughs> you're cool with being the rest inside. Of y'all, I'm totally cool with it. Huh. I guess that doesn't surprise me about you. <laughs> Only person I've ever known that wanted to completely celebrate the 4th of July inside of doors. Well, you know what? George Washington crossed the Potomac River just so I could have that right. I suppose he did. There were some other things he did that helped with uh, you getting those rights uh, as well. It was the Delaware River, too, now that I think about it. But either eh, way. Yeah, potato, potato. <laughs> yeah, there was a river up north. Wasn't the Mississippi though, by God. How far north is the Delaware River? It's more like uh, seaboard than northeastern the Delaware exactly. quadrant, I believe. Yeah. Hey. Do you guys see that Hamilton is coming to uh, Disney Plus on the third yeah. of July? I did. Will you watch? I don't have Disney Plus, so no. Rippy, you said vehemently no. I mean, I guess if, like yeah, no, I'm not gonna. I'm probably not watching. I'm not gonna eat that sushi stuff either. It's true. Got a Got Prius because you thought it made you green. Borky, right. will you watch Hamilton on Disney Plus? Actually, yeah, you've talked about it enough. I want to see what the hype is all about. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. rabbit hole, and I'm curious to uh, get your thoughts on this. I would pose the question, Borky, poll question. Let's do it. What is the worst invention of the last decade? Worst new product of the last decade. Hey, Dad? You look like uh, you, you just kind of raised your eyebrows. Well, I mean, that, that's a very interesting question. Like, what is something that was invented and then immediately people were like, why? I'm going to say Corona. Kind of a bummer. You mean the coronavirus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, not the most interesting man in the world's Corona. No. no. no he's oh, wait, like, he, he was Dos Sorry, my bad. How dare you besmirch him in yeah. that way. Hey, Corona used to have legit commercials, too, though. Yeah. Uh, so here's what I would submit, and this is what got me going down this. Guy tweeted this. If we're going to have irrational civil unrest and rebellion, can we have it over paper straws? That's a good choice. I could not agree more. I cannot... 
currently think of a worse product introduction in the last decade than paper straws. They're horrible. My favorite po' boy place in New Orleans does paper straws, and it's just, why? You're like, I tell you what, just take the lid off and I'll drink it that way. Not going to need a straw. Twitter as well, that's top, that's, that's on the Mount Rushmore. I'm not, yeah, but I'm not necessarily. Yeah, I'm. I'm not necessarily taking like, like I'm talking about actual products, not like technology pieces. Oh, Snapchat's the worst thing that's ever happened. Oh, okay, fine. Social media, whatever. I'm talking about like tangible products, something that you hold in your hand that is functional that you use. Borky, you look like you're in deep thought. Uh, yeah, because I can't. I can't think of of something that I've truly hated lately. That's hard to believe with you. Any new tax? You can add that in there. Now this has to be something holding your hand. If you're using something practical, well, I, in your I hands, was it's... able to hold money in my hand until the government keeps taking it from me. Yeah, but like if it's something practical that you're using and functioning in your hands, you probably don't hate it, right? Well, there are probably things that you buy and then you realize this thing is useless. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think paper straw is the answer. It might very well be. We had them. Surely I don't know if I've ever that. used one. We had them on the resort, the honeymoon, and so they're they're just feeding me these frozen drinks. Right, we're sitting on the beach, and it's not all that hot in Jamaica that time of year. It's like seventy-eight degrees, and I've got like a twenty-four ounce frozen whatever the guy made for me, and they stick a paper straw in it. It takes you a long time to drink one of those, and five minutes in, the thing's destroyed. It just—it was awful. So I'm with you. Not, not only does it disintegrate, but it also—it the, the texture is just yeah. awful. Yeah. It's you like, spent your I mean, entire life drinking out of a plastic straw, and now this thin cardboard thing is invading your. Palette. You said of the of the last ten years, right? Yeah, I mean, I okay, whatever. I mean, I'm not specific, super specific on the timeline. Gotcha. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure cornbread was invented long before then, but but days aren't that cool either. But maybe we shouldn't go down that road. What? A bidet? I don't. What is that? <laughs> it's for wiping it your back. Whoa, 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 you, whoa, whoa, you don't know what a bidet is? No. A bidet is a toilet with the water fountain in it. Yeah. It, in, oh. Yeah. Oh. I've, I've never, never had used the, one. Never had yeah. the luxury of using one of those either. Yeah, they're not yeah. that cool. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the manual manual system, but appreciate M- it. Mullen's house here in Starkville had one. <laughs> of course it did. Not that I ever went to his house, but when it was on uh, Zillow or whatever those websites are, you could take the virtual tour and he had a bidet. You know he made sure to tell every person that walked in that oh, door yeah. that he had one. Oh yeah, I got a bidet, check it out. It's for back, it's the for house that side. we live in now, we <laughs> bought um, I guess about three years ago and did a complete renovation. It was like a 10 month process, completely gutted it all the way down to the studs, re- redid it. But when we bought the house, the master bad- bedroom had a bidet in it. A lime green bidet. <laughs> so lime green? The, the, 
Look, now the the people that own this house, um, they had they had an interesting style in, in terms of decor, but there was at, at some point in history, I, my guess is some point in the seventies, their aesthetic decorating tastes were very cutting edge. Like like one one bathroom so a lot of had no. No, no, no. Do the no, people that uh, tile and the, hardwood and it was well done. Yeah. Do the people that have these keep still keep toilet paper on hand in case like reinforcements are needed, or is it like a paper-free house? Is that the idea? The one I used that was your only option, huh. at least readily available that you could see. Uh, assuming uh, that the bidet that is functioning work. properly, <laughs> yeah. Assuming the the product. <laughs> I took that off the rails. Ah, reinforcements. That man said. Ah, let me try and finish that sentence. Uh, assuming the day is functioning properly, I don't think there is a need for reinforcements. <laughs> okay, just you're one small mal- malfunction away from a really bad day. It's hopping yeah. the shower at that point. <laughs> oh, I've got a real one bottle warmers. Oh. That was a big fat waste of money. That's what the microwave is for. No, it's a bottle warmer. We'd just get a stadium cup and turn on the hot water and stick the, the bottle in the stadium cup. And that worked faster, and the water got hotter than the bottle warmer, which would take like 45 minutes. It was It's like $98, too. The biggest waste of money I have ever spent in my life. Uh, I, This probably doesn't count because it made hundreds of millions of dollars, but the Snuggie, just because it's been knocked off 100 million times? Dude, I'd wear one. Okay, never mind. I'm a big blanket guy. We have a uh, a submission on Twitter that democratic socialism is the worst new product or invention. To which the first response was, "Don't let BS Rippy see this tweet." That's been around for hundreds of years, though. That doesn't count. We get one on the text line, uh, the fish skinner. It's like this little handheld device that, so you don't have to um, skin your fish. That it'll do it for you. In the video, it looks like it doesn't work well. Like I could not imagine mm. buying this product. Hmm. I just got a uh, a text that the baby leash. Yeah, useless, I'm not a big fan of those. Yeah, useless product. How can a leash be useless? The baby leash. Yeah, how is that? Like, the, it just doesn't work. The kid breaks off the leash, or you just don't like. Well, I mean, maybe useless is not the right way to describe. I don't like, it, but the um, idea that my kid is in bondage. Yeah, you know, I just I never went for one of those. Uh, Blair on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Come on, guys. You still need TP to dry yourself. Just a little dab. Well, tell that to the person whose bidet I used. <laughs> you needed the towel that you used when you got out of the shower? <laughs> you just sit uncomfortably for like 15 minutes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, man, I love toilet humor, but this is too much. Jeez Louise. (laughs) Somebody sends us a picture of the shower beer holder and says that is the most useless invention of the last decade. Yeah, it just goes on the same holder that your shampoo and body wash go on. You don't need a specific holder for it, right? Ray and Picayune agrees with the baby leash. She said one sharp knife and Junior is gone. Why does the kid have a knife? 
I think that might be the joke. Fidget spinners. I was about to submit that, but I didn't know how many of you knew would know what that is. Yeah. My kids never I never mean, let the kids have one of those. You didn't? Did not, no. Well, they were only like 99 cents. I mean, every gas station in the free it wasn't world like had money them for issue. a period of like 11 months. It's not like, like I was an 11 month said, window. No, kids, we can't afford that. We have to have ramen this week. I just didn't want them to have it. <laughs> Ray and Picayune responds, really, Rippy? With regard to your why would Junior have a knife? Just wondering. Um, should have a gun. Get leashed up like that. Get out of there, kid. <laughs> Borky, where are you? I'm in the bathroom waiting to dry. <laughs> Got to air dry that thing. Yeah, Jeez, if they were please. fancy enough, they'd have had a dryer right next to it that you could turn ooh, upwards. Ooh, Spence. No, I disagree. Richard says he's got one. He said, my dad got my kids all assault guns. A-S-S-A-L-T. Shoots real salt, and you're supposed to kill flies or bugs with it. He says it's a horrible invention in his opinion. I disagree. They work. We've got one of those. Really Bought fun way to season your steaks, too. <laughs> First person I ever saw use a salt gun will appear on the Farm Bureau phone line later this afternoon. You ought to see Scary Gary with a shotgun at an RV site at the SEC Baseball Tournament. We'll be back. Put it on the calendar if you're a NASCAR fan. Talladega Super Speedway, Saturday, June 20th, ARCA Series race. That'll be televised on FS1. That's at 1 o'clock Central Time. Later that afternoon, the Xfinity Series will take center stage. And then on Sunday at 2 o'clock Central, NASCAR Cup Series racing from Talladega. No fans, but that's the rescheduled weekend. So... There you go. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, Gary. Do we ever call Gary by his last name? Or hey, Dad didn't like know it. He's been here for over a year. Do you know so, it now, so, or you don't? I, I still didn't don't tell know. Him. It. Yeah, he's just like just put scary Gary on there. I was like, okay. There you go. So if anybody has any uh, issues with that in the corner office, uh, address them to Michael Borky. So, yeah, Scary Gary will join us uh, at the end of the 4 o'clock hour. We will talk NASCAR with him. That is going to, I think, be a recurring thing, uh, at least until uh, his schedule does not permit it anymore. We've had some uh, fun with that. Some of your submissions for worst invention of the last decade or so. And, by the way, somebody told me uh, that they had paper straws when they were a kid 50 years ago. And I said, well, I bet they sucked then, too. See what I did there? I don't remember that. I don't ever remember oh, paper straw wow. before recent times. Uh, shake weight. Made for a funny uh, episode of South Park. Did anybody actually ever buy one of those? I mean, I guess some people probably did. Yeah, I had a math teacher that bought one in high school. They bring it to class? Yes. Was that the source of That's endless weird. jokes? Well, it was weird. wasn't cool either. Yeah. Uh, Kyle suggests the step on a tailgate of a truck. I'm not Again, sure I agree old. with that. Justin Moorwood. 
<laughs> well played, Rippy. Well played. Glass iPhones. Uh, William in Cortland says, almost anything bought from China that almost works. Lucas, this is a fascinating submission. The garden hose that doesn't kink is the worst product of all time. It's up there with the product My Pillow. Have you used the uh, the don't kink water hoses, like that uh, expand and contract? Yeah, we've got two of them. They're great, except for the fact that they have a very limited shelf life. Yeah, the longevity is terrible. Like the fact that you know what we're talking about. Hey, Dad, I know you never go I know outside. Yeah. Right, okay. I've I've seen them though. You do have a water hydrant on the exterior of your house, or not one that you've ever seen, but it's probably there. Yes. We have to water our our uh, our foundation sometimes. It has some issues. <laughs> water your foundation. I'm serious. Like the foundation during the summer when it, when we don't get a lot of moisture, it it it's unsettled, so it makes it difficult to open the front door. So we'll just run the hose out front sometimes to get some moisture under the under the house. Really? Yeah. I've never heard of that before, but glad yeah. that you figured out a way to make it work. Yeah, it was either that or build a new house, so that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I hope you're never moving because uh, you just told on yourself that you might have foundation issues. I'm, I uh, told my wife the next house I move into will be of the funeral variety. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, I mean, like, when they're new and they work, the whole never kink, expand garden hose is great, but inevitably they burst and then it, they're useless and you have to go buy a new one. Uh, someone suggested those woven rope magnetic baseball necklaces for $40. One of the worst inventions of the last decade or so. Oh, along those lines, those little energy bands. You remember when that was a fad where you put it around your wrist and it had the circle with the sticker on it that was supposed to give you more energy? Copper? Is that copper fit? So you drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know. It was just a plastic thing with a sticker. It definitely did not give you more no, energy. It was, no, I didn't I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. I just saw the commercial with Brett Favre 7,226 times after SEC Network's launch. I don't know if that's the one I'm talking about or not, but like okay. the uh, golfers wore them for a while. Like Just a total hoax. Congrats yeah. to that guy, though. I'm sure he made money. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy and Hamilton suggest that the uh, worst invention of the last decade or so is the manual shift option for automatic transmissions. That's the best invention. Uh, Michael and Poplarville suggest that we should Google Japanese toilet. Think you I'll never pass? Google anything like that. That, that, that. that you'll end up, you know, on some sort of list. Isn't that the one I that's just it. on the floor? I, 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 I don't know. I'll let you guys let me know how that turns out. Um, someone suggests I have a beer belt. Good idea, but beer is shaken up and hot by the time you get to beer number two. By the way, uh, Spence follows up on the uh, salt guns. He says they work great for the job at hand, but when twin six-year-olds start having a salt shootout in the living room, I have to draw the line. <laughs> yeah. Obi got it one day and decided to just start shooting it in the kitchen. I was like, no! That shoots salt! We now have to clean up salt everywhere! Thanks, friend. Trying to turn our kitchen into the Gulf of Mexico. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. 
That was a fast first hour. I don't know if we accomplished anything, but uh, we laughed. Maybe that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. C Spire text line is open. It has been hopping for the last hour. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath? C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the C Spire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. You can... Find out what all of that means by going to the website cspirehealth.com. Thanks for being with us. Borky, what was the actual poll question supposed to be? Well, it was going to be uh, in reference to um, a story out of Florida where the governor said just openly that a Florida hey, his, man. a Florida man said his state was uh, open for any professional sports team that uh, is having trouble in their state getting back to play, that you can come to our state, you can use our facilities, and specifically said that you can use Florida and Florida State. Since then, Scott Strickland uh, has said they are open for it. They've got a great baseball facility, basketball, football, and if a pro team needs us, we will welcome you to our campus. So my question is, should Old Miss and Mississippi State do the same? Should they say openly, especially because there are a few NFL teams and it's been hinted at that there's one a few hours south from where I sit right now that's looking for a training camp home. Um, mm. Should they openly campaign to get somebody to do something like that on their campus? Football's a non-starter because Mississippi State and Ole Miss are going to need their football facilities to have their own training camps. Well, so is Florida, but they're doing it anyway. And Don't you think that Florida's more directed toward more directed toward baseball and basketball? No, they've the governor specifically mentioned the stadiums, and Scott Strickland today also specifically mentioned their very nice football stadium that is open for use. Hmm. Have we gotten Sean Payton's thoughts on that preseason game way back in the day when they did training camp at Millsaps? It's, uh, yeah, actually, he um, talked on Twitter about it during his quarantine after he tested positive for coronavirus and uh, their experience, not with Millsaps, but with where they stayed, uh, which is a, a place that no longer exists, uh, was not pretty. Mm. Was not a fan of, of that couple of weeks here. Let's see, what was that? That was around 2006. Six, seven, somewhere in there. Does that sound about right? Both both State and Ole Miss have room, I think, in terms of practice facilities. I mean, Ole Miss has an indoor facility, but they also have outdoor practice fields. So does State. You State has the Palmero Center. Uh, they could make it work if they wanted to go that route. I, I have it on good do. authority that that is not something that is of interest to Ole Miss. Okay. Well, that's the question, though. Should it be? Hmm? I, look, I mean, if you wanted to say that a Major League Baseball team from the state of California or from Michigan that doesn't have anywhere to practice needs a spot, sure. I mean, okay. But in terms of football, I mean, I really think we're trending toward two to four weeks from now 
you're going to have student athletes coming back on campus. They're going to start ramping themselves up through conditioning and training stuff and using all the facilities to uh, get ready for the seasons that are on the horizon. I mean, obviously, there's not going to be any baseball activity for a while and probably not going to be any basketball activity for a while. Although, I don't know. I would think the basketball players would begin to come back. I don't I mean, if they open the baseball facility and those guys have not really had anywhere to train or practice or play, I mean, you can't have formal practices. But I would guess that some of those guys would come back as well. So if they've got a place to hit, they've got a place to run, they've got a place to work out, they can take it. Now, I don't think any of that's going to happen like all at once. My, my guess is that it's going to be a phased reopening. I, I, I don't think that Keith Carter is going to say, hey, the SEC just told us that um, we, can, we can open our campus back up to our student-athletes. We've got uh, 450 of you across 16 sports. I just made those numbers up, by the way. We'll see you all next Tuesday. Probably not going to work that way. And for good reason. My understanding is the rationale, Borky, to answer your question. You said, should Ole Miss and Mississippi State consider opening their facilities to pro teams that are in need of workout space? My understanding is that there's just really no reason to bring additional variables into what is already a pretty complicated reopening plan. Does that make sense? It uh, absolutely does. Um, Then how is Florida able to do it, though? Just they're further ahead on all the reopening stuff, and and maybe that's why. Probably more space, bigger campuses as well. No idea. I don't know why that's appealing to Scott Strickland. It's a branding thing, if nothing else, right? Let's well, just... you could have training camp somewhere else and then play your season in that stadium. Right. It doesn't like, have to be If the both. Saints, for example, just using them partially because they're close by, but also because New Orleans got hit so hard, what if they just – because they do training camp uh, at their facility in Metairie. Well, what if they just decided to move the operation away from New Orleans just to give the city more time to not focus on this and to get back, and then we'll come back and play our season? So you're saying the Saints would play their actual games in New Orleans. You're trying to put them in training camp somewhere else. Right, and they've done that before. They've gone to the Greenbrier, uh, as I mean, as yeah, we yeah, mentioned. It yeah. didn't go particularly well, according to Sean Payton, but they did it uh, in Jackson. Uh, the Panthers do their training camp on the campus and use the facilities of, of Wofford. I know it's not the same thing as an SEC school, but they, they have also training camp and stuff and a season to prepare for themselves. Anthony actually makes a uh, a reasonable point on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. You can consider it political if you would like. He says, seeing as it's mostly blue states that are not wanting to open back up, I would doubt that Mississippi would ever be an option for those teams anyway. I think you underestimate the don't give a crap of professional franchises, though. If the L.A. Rams, for example, need a home, if, if Los Angeles is sticking with this shutdown idea and the Rams need to go somewhere else to play, they won't care as long as they can do it. Yeah, I agree with that. That's fair. 
I'm still not. I think Louisiana's open for business, though, or is in the process of opening for business. The the idea that the Saints would leave Metairie for training camp just really doesn't make sense to me. If I'm being completely honest, there was. I didn't just pull that out of my uh, my behind. There was uh, an NFL reporter that mentioned that there are multiple teams that are in hotspot areas that are looking for places to go, and somebody on the Saints beat uh, implied that. The, they've been to the Greenbrier before, and they're exploring uh, mo- going somewhere just for this year. Okay. And that could have gone nowhere. Exploring could be, hey, we're in a meeting. Should we try somewhere else? Eh, maybe, probably not, and that'd be it. But word is they're looking around, or at least have thought about it. Yeah. See, kind of going back to where this began, and I know this is an offshoot, but but the idea of what uh, Governor DeSantis in um, Florida was saying, I, I took that as, "Hey, NBA, Disney World, that'll, that'll work. We can do the thing there. We can host as many of you as you would like for spring training at uh, all of the spring training facilities we got in in the state of Florida." That's kind of how I took that. And Although there may be more it. to it. Well, yeah, with soccer for whatever that's worth, it's not near as big as what, the NBA. But in Orlando, they're doing it in Orlando. Major League Soccer is preparing to to do their restart in Orlando. You think they'll utilize beautiful, fantastic, well surrounded Camping World Stadium for that? <laughs> no, I think uh, Disney has some kind of special soccer facility where there's like a, a dozen I'm sure fields. It's an offshoot of Wide World of Sports. Yeah. That are just like all within the same vicinity of each other with nice, very small, but nice stadiums around them and stuff. All right there. I mean, that's the complex where the Braves have their spring training or had. I don't know if that's where it continued this year. I think it is. Uh, but you had Braves spring training there, so you got a great baseball stadium. You get the basketball facility where they have the uh, the Thanksgiving tournament. That's where they do all of the cheerleading national championship events. I think there are lots of baseball stadiums for youth tournaments, lots of soccer facilities as well. So that's a pretty expansive facility and would uh, would certainly make sense on that front. Sports Talk Mississippi. How about this Snell guy, Blake Snell in Tampa Bay? He's had a, a bit of an about face from some previous comments that he made. We'll get into that when we come back with you. Pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Not too terribly long ago said that the media overhypes coronavirus and, quote, if I get it, I get it. Close quote. However, his willingness to play baseball and risk his life Without full compensation, that's also in play for Blake Snell. Tampa Bay Rays ace Blake Snell, who's in the middle of a five-year, $50 million contract, says he will not play this season for a reduced salary, especially because the risk of contracting the coronavirus is, quote, just not worth it, close quote. If I get it, I get it. 
Snell railed against Major League Baseball's reported proposal of a 50-50 revenue split with the players for a coronavirus-shortened season in a video that he posted to his social media channels online yesterday. I don't necessarily have a problem with the stance that Blake Snell's making here, but his comments are a little tone deaf. Listen to what he says. Y'all got to understand, man, for me to go, for me to take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof. If I get it, I get it. It's a shorter season, less pay. No, I got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? And that's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher and the amount of money I'm making is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? Bro, I'm risking my life. What do you mean it should not be a thing? It should 100% be a thing. If I'm going to play, I should be getting the money I signed to be getting paid. I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half on top of a 33% cut of the half that's already there. So I'm really getting like 25%. Not a math guy. On top of that, it's getting taxed. Some of that Scott Steiner math happening there. So imagine how much I'm actually making to play. You know what I'm saying? I mean, honestly, it's just scary to risk my life to get COVID-19. I get it, I get it. As well as not knowing and spreading it to the others. I just want everyone to be healthy and get back to our normal lives because I know I miss mine. There's a lot in there. That's a lot to unpack. Have y'all seen the video, or did you read the article? I read the article. It, the, like, so to me, from watching the video, and I could be wrong, but I don't think he was more so just talking about like pro rate, like like taking less money in general. I think it was the revenue sharing on top of the already prorated salary, and like I think his sentiment is shared amongst a lot of players. But he did an absolutely horrible job of articulating his point. Like it was very poorly said. But like the point on the is, heels so of if I get it, I get it. Yeah. I didn't know about that part when I watched the video. Yeah, I watched the video too, and I read the quotes first, and my initial reaction was, because when you read the quotes and you transcribe what the video said, which is what all of these people have done, he is saying, he's talking about full salary, because he says uh, the the money that he signed to receive, and he mentions pay, the, the language he uses is talking about any kind of reduced salary, but it in the context of the video, he probably was talking about the after agreeing to the prorated, then getting it cut even more, but he didn't articulate it that way, and so he's getting ripped apart today, and deservedly so, because what do you think happens in the, the real world? Like, I work six days a week here. Let's pretend for whatever reason FM signals only work three days a week from here on out. I would expect Super Talk to come with me and reduce my pay by 50% if I'm only doing 50% of the work that I agreed to do. Like, that is how life and and things work. You get paid for the work that you do, and if you don't do that work, you don't get paid for that work. And so I thought that's what he was initially saying. The video makes, it muddies that water some, but the words that he used are tone deaf and not rooted in reality. And if this is the, the spokesman, the unofficial spokesman of the player's stance they're going to have a really hard time getting anybody to really care. 
this was also him, for the lack of a better phrase, BSing on like a MLB the show Twitch stream. Like I don't think this was very thought out and prepared. I think he just got tired of people asking questions about it and just kind of went off off the cuff, which should matter some. But again, he he did not articulate what he was trying to say. I think very well. No, you, He's you're correct. To make he seven million this year in a hundred and sixty-two game season. Uh, Which his value is worth more than that, but he signed the contract. Yeah, that's his deal. Hope he's not going to Jerry Reinsdorf to try and renegotiate. He doesn't redo deals. So scheduled to make seven million, but it's part. I mean, next year is eleven million, and the year after that's thirteen million, and the year after that's sixteen and a half million. So it's a five-year, fifty million dollar deal, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. Which would be an average of. Um, like ten million a year, give or take. So about what we make here. But the what? way the deal was structured what? was his salary. His salary went up each year. Um. Look the 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 tone down, and, and I don't know what the a hundred percent of the math is. I mean, so fifty percent of seven million, so he's going to make three and a half million. And then he's saying he's taking a pay cut on top of the half. I'm not really sure. And oh, by the way, his salary gets taxed, so he's going to have to pay tax. Oh, boo So does mine. Two and a half million this year. Oh, poor you. I mean, I get a guy. Look, if you were anticipating making seven and a half million dollars this year, or seven million dollars this year, and you only make two and a half million. I get that that's a tough spot. Stinks. I mean, if I found out that I was going to make a third of what I thought I was going to make this year, I don't know that I would be jumping up and down to agree to give up that much money. But if the option was either make a third of what I make this year or make nothing this year, then that third doesn't sound quite so bad. I don't think. 160000 to start for the 82-game season. At Buster Onley was on uh, Ryan Brown's show this morning, and uh, Ryan sent me a message that said Buster anticipated his salary this year for the half the season and all this stuff would be about $2.5 million, which is if he starts an average number of games, one hundred sixty k a start. By the way, he's going to play if they decide to play. Of course he is. Bob Nightingale at USA Today, the uh, talented baseball writer there, uh, was on a radio show in St. Louis, I think it was today, and he said he thought there was an 85-90% to chance that they were playing baseball on the 4th of July. I mean, Rippy, you, you know those baseball writers and the ones that are good and the ones that just throw stuff against the wall. I mean, Bob Nightingale doesn't have the reputation for just doing clickbait stories, does he? Or, or just off-the-cuff spewing random percentages in a radio interview. I wouldn't think. No, he's pretty well-connected. Like, I mean, I'm, 85 or 90 might be a little ambitious, but like that generally leads me to think that most of... And the general sense is that it eventually gets approved. And there's just going to be some fighting beforehand. Yeah. Which is going on right now. But it can't last for that long, right? 
Correct. Like well, you, I mean, you gotta, it, it, it can. I just, I guess we all hope it doesn't, and I don't think it will. I, I think I agree with Bob Nightingale, whose son actually covers the Reds. Nice dude. Um, but yeah, I think that's. Uh, I think it's probably happening. Ceasefire text line is open to you six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five six zero one. Eight seven nine four three nine five. If you want to jump in and be a part of the conversation, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Scary Gary. We will talk NASCAR. We got some NASCAR news today. Brad Keselowski says he doesn't trust any of the other drivers, and that iRacing racing is nowhere close to the real thing. Huh? Go figure. Got, a video we, game's not dates. that close to the real. What? Man, I play a lot of Call of Duty. Uh, the Marines should call me up. You're asking the wrong question. What do you mean he doesn't trust other drivers? Well, we'll get into that coming up in just a bit. Also, Talladega with in the business. dates on the calendar. June 20th and 21st, Super Speedway. And we are now just three days away from real, live NASCAR racing at Darlington. Gary joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line next. For South Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott, Rippy, and now, well, I would say on the Farm Bureau phone line, but there he is, right across from Michael Borky on the other side of the glass in Studio X, Scary Gary, normally joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, that is Farm Bureau, Mississippi. Gary, we are three days away from NASCAR being back. It's going to be different, but it will be back. That's right. we will be some live racing coming up this weekend, starting. And, of course, NASCAR has rolled out the rest, some more of the schedule through June that came out yesterday. Dega. That's right. We're going to, uh, after we get through with going through Charlotte after Memorial Day, we'll go to Bristol Motor Speedway and have a couple of races at Bristol. Then we'll go to Atlanta Motor Speedway, and then Martinsville, which will be under the lights, and then there'll be uh, Homestead, Miami, and then Talladega. And all of these races were postponed during the COVID shutdown, so NASCAR figures that they can go back and get these races in because they're still going to have no no fans in in the stands. But um, that's that's the way they're moving forward right now, and it's going to be really interesting coming up this weekend. Because, like I said last time, there will be no practice, there will be no qualifying. It'll be unloaded, line them up, and we going racing. And of course, Gary, I know some of the questions that I ask you, you probably and others who are NASCAR fans hear me ask them. They're like, "You idiot! Do you know anything?" And the answer was with regard to racing, yeah, not a whole lot. Um, it feels like that's a lot of racing in a pretty short period of time. So we're starting this weekend on the 17th of May. The Talladega weekend is the 20th and 21st of June. So we know we got, what is it, seven races in the first 11 days. And then you mentioned, you know, bouncing around at Bristol to Martinsville to Miami. Is That's a lot more racing than normal it is. It is. I mean, window, in the, right? in the past, now in the last 
25 or 30 years, they've only had weekend races. Well, back in the old days, they may run three or four NASCAR races during the week. That was when Richard Petty was, you know, was racing heavy back in the 60s and early 70s. They would have a Wednesday night race. Well, NASCAR's kind of looked into maybe having some weak weak races to see how that would go and they never really could because they were so locked in on the weekends that they had set to have these tracks you know those weekends well with this they're able to kind of think outside the box and say we can try this and see what'll happen so it's still going to be kind of hard for the teams to be social isolated from each other because in the garage at, at these races, I mean, all the pits are in the garage area, and you're basically working three feet away from the other team that's right beside you. So, you know, there's people on both sides of the car, and you're, you're working all around them. So, I mean, you're going to have to you have to space them out, but I don't know what they're going to do if they'll skip spots and, and open up the the other garage because they have two sets of garages. They have a cup garage, and they have an Xfinity garage. So they may social distance them that way. But uh, yeah. it's not going to be a whole lot of time spent in the shops, basically. It's going to be unloaded off the truck, get it to the track, you know, plug it in, get it hot, and then go racing. I heard an interview with a driver last week, and he was explaining that basically they, the drivers cannot have any interaction with the car or the crew. Like, they'll check in at the track. And then we'll have to go and basically just sit in their motorhomes or or some area if they don't have a motorhome that's parked on the infield. And then there will be a call for the drivers to come, and basically they will walk out. I I guess they'll stand for the national anthem. They'll get in their cars, and then boogity, 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 let's go race. That's right. Well, now, a few years, about the second or third year at Indianapolis, they started racing in the 90s at Indy. We had a, a similar situation where they it rained during practice, rained out all the practice, rained out qualifying, and the first laps that they made was of the race of it, of, at Indianapolis. And, of course, they, you know, everybody made it fine. But this 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 is going to be interesting to see who is ready and who's not. That's that's basically what it is. It's kind of like you're going to have to be on your A game when you hit the ground at the track. There ain't going to be no changing shocks and springs and sway bars and exhaust and you know all this crazy stuff that they do in practice to get more speed out of it. You got to have it ready to go when you drop it on the ground. And there and it's just going to be it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. And of course everybody's been over what 80 days since they've raced so there may be some cobwebs it may be some you know unintentional wrecks and things like that because i mean you hadn't been doing it you know and 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 y'all are in sports enough and see it i mean if you play baseball every day you get you get in that zone where you're like you know you know what's going on everything's working it's clicking well you take two or three months off and you get kind of kind of rusty and lazy well then, you you're not as sharp mentally, and of course, you know people say, "Oh, race car drivers aren't aren't real athletes." Well, I would like for anybody out there that says they're not athletes, get in one of these cars and spend three hours in 152 degrees and high intensity. 152 degrees. Yeah, inside the cockpit in the summertime, it'll be 130 to 150 in that in that cockpit. Hmm. Because you got 1,200 1, you degrees be, of exhaust They got like any fans or air-conditioned stuff They have stuff what they call suits. a cool box that uh, is basically a 
it's kind of like a refrigeration unit, but it's really not. It's more of a, a carbon monoxide scrubber, and it blows cool air. That's what those hoses that hook up on the back of their helmet as, um, is for. That pumps cool air straight down on your head, and they, that came from the medical people that that's how they like if they do in surgery on you they control your temperature by what temperature the air that they're giving you if if they want you cooler they'll cool that air down well they were they basically took that idea and went with nascar and they've got they've they've come a long ways with it and it's kind of like a little air conditioning unit that blows cool air on their head and that keeps them semi-cool because if you keep the head cool the rest of the body takes care of itself but um, it's it's it, in the summertime. It, they have these temperature, these digital you thermometers think? that they've set on the side of the seat. So when they give you the in-car shot, you can see what the temperature is. It may start to race at 120. Well, yeah. by the end of the race, it may be 130, 140 degrees in that car, and they've been in there three hours. I wonder if anybody like ever toyed with the idea of freezing their underwear in advance. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that. Let's just let's say that the old school method was let's take a cold bottle of water and dump it down my suit when I come in for mm-hmm. uh, practice. Well, it's well, great plus you got to wash dandy. away the, you know, when nature called and you just had to go. Well, right, but I mean, most of the time you don't you sweat, so you I never guess so, yeah. you never yeah. have that problem. But the thing is though, after that cold water sits down behind your back and that seat's hot well it turns into a boiler and it starts basically poaching your behind and there was a <laughs> many a drivers that got out and basically hey, had, have you ever had a poached egg you get the analogy yeah I, I got it yeah well your back and your behind would be wet and of course with 1200 degree headers running right up under your seat you know that's why they have this aerospace stuff they put on the floor from nasa that helps keep the heat down to keep from radiating the heat through the floor. Well, you see them put these little cups on their shoes. Well, those are heel pads to keep the heat from coming through and burning your heel because drivers used to burn their heel on their pedal foot. And and if you've ever burnt your foot, like going to the beach and you step on hot sand, well, imagine that if you really burnt your foot like a Mm -hmm. bad sunburn, how how it would hurt because, you know, your foot's pretty tender. But... It's going to be real interesting. It's, of course, most of these races will start in the day. Some of them will start in the day and run into the night, which after it gets cool, it's, you know, it's you're fine. But still, the day races are going to be hot coming into June. Yeah. But hey, it's going to be fun. We're up against a break, so so we're going to have you hold on for another segment. i got a couple of questions for you. Um, but before, is Brad Keselowski, is he a good guy? Do, do other racers like him, or is he one of those guys that everybody hates? Mm, Brad has come a long way. He's matured a lot. He was kind of a, when he first come along, he was kind of boisterous and braggous and would wreck you. Well, he'll still wreck you if you if you you know mess with him and start you know pushing. He'll he'll spin you around. But he's he's seemed he seemed like he's kind of gotten mature. Same way with Kurt Busch. I mean, you know, the eighteen when he first got in, everybody goes, oh, I don't like him because he's too cocky. Well, he's good, and he knows he's good. I mean, he's been good since he was a kid, and he's still good. And he knows that, so, I mean, it's, it ain't being cocky. It's just being confident that he's better than some folks that are out there. But, yeah, I mean, attitude is, you know, a lot of folks are mad at Denny Hamlin because he's winning too much. Well, whatever. I mean, if you're mad at somebody because they're winning, find something else to be mad about, you know? What was their reason for always being mad at Jeff Gordon? Jeff, Jeff Gordon. Just... You know, it was it was too much of a pretty boy. 
Yeah, he was he was kind of like the the young. All right, hold, hold that thought. Hold, hold that thought. Scary Gary with us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We will continue with our now weekly NASCAR segment right after this. Thursday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. More with Scary Gary right now on Sports Talk Mississippi. He's joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. He is actually sitting in Studio X. Kind of nice to be back at the office, isn't it? Yes, it is. I had to come back to work. I was starting to turn into too much of a night person. Uh Uh-oh. We don't we don't need to go any farther than that, do we? No. Uh, what you got going on at night? Uh, well, you know, there's beers to kill and TV to watch because there was nothing else to do. Heard that yeah. Shark Tank's pretty cool. You should check it out. <laughs> Been there, done that. I didn't move past Shark Tank. <laughs> so, so, what did you watch primarily to keep your uh, keep your interest peaked? Let's just say I found it was amazing. Well, satellite. I mean, it's like. One day, it was like four movies on of Clint Eastwood that were different movies. So it was kind of like, which one do you want to watch again? Dirty Harry always wins out, doesn't it? I know, but I tell you what, Outlaw Josie Wales is, is right on up mm-hmm. there, too. I mean, yeah, not good call. Hey, so the reason I asked you about Brad Keselowski a second ago, there's a story in USA Today today, uh, a little redundant there. Um, he did an interview with Mike Tirico from NBC Sports. And Tarico asked him how much trust that he has in his fellow rusty drivers because none of them had done it for a while. And Keselowski's response was very little to none. And then he went on to say, there's been a lot of talk about how NASCAR pivoted into e-racing. And if you follow the i-racing series that NASCAR had, they had some good success with that, ratings and so forth. But the reality is it's not the same. The tactics are not the same. It looks good, the graphics are cool, but the way the cars drive is not the same. So do you think his fellow drivers feel the same way? Like they don't trust each other going into this deal? Well, I don't know if about trust. It's just a lot of, a lot of unknowns. But, yeah, I mean, listening to these drivers talk about it, you don't have that feel of the seat in, you know, your feel of the pants. You know what I'm talking about? He said, you know, you feel the... You feel the car, the steering wheel Hot jerking pants, around and all, but it's you just don't have that sensation of, you know, if you if you push it too hard to the left, it's going to get loose in the right rear. If you go in too shallow, it's going to get, you know, it's tight and it, just it. You you have to learn a different. I mean, like I've heard a couple. Now, are of you talking say, specifically about Darlington when when I'm you talk about, about all the races being tight? Okay. All the races. I mean, it was like, just it was a different feel. You, I mean, if you're coming from driving a real car and you start playing video games, you don't have that 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 feel that you feel. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, it's a feeling you get when you feel that car starting to break loose, and you know, right on the edge, it's just breaking loose, and you oh, you correct it and all. But there's none of that. It's like going into some of the turns, yeah, the car's tipped over, but you just don't have that sense of speed to your body that you can, you know, relate, that you're so relatable to. I mean, that's that's how these kids grew up, is by feel, how it feels. If it feels right, you're going fast. I mean, it's 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 not it's not the same. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a visual thing. You have to retrain. They all said you had to retrain your mind not to drive like you were driving a real car you got to play a video game so yeah it's been a, a 
a learning curve for all these guys. They've been spending a lot of time playing in their basements or wherever they have their rigs set up. And every one of them said, you don't have the sense of, you know, the speed and the feel of the pants, you know, the seat of your pants. You just don't have that. So all right, Gary, i got to ask you about this. So if you do a Google image search for NASCAR cockpit, mm-hmm. and we've only got about a minute left, most of the images are gauges, toggle switches, knobs. It doesn't look real high tech. But there's a transition to more of a digital dashboard. Right. Is that happening this year, and is that going to make a difference for the drivers? Oh, the digital dashboard, they've had that for the last two or three years. I mean, it's... Again, sometimes I ask questions that well, are just fine, stupid, but so they, forgive they, me. They've actually, what they did was they got away with the mechanical gauges that everybody's seen on these cars that has oil pressure, temperature, and everything. It's now, it's it's a electronic readout, but it's a digital, like a small TV screen, and you can program it to to look any way you want i mean some of the guys look look like an old school dash and some of them look the space age and of course it tells you if you're speeding and going into the pits it has a, a range it sets if it's if it's green you're under the speed if it goes red you know you're speeding so it's kind of like a radar detector it lets you know you're speeding but still they'll bust you if you you know speeding so you got to make another pass through so i mean it's it's digital dashboards have been around but it took took them a little while to kind of get used to it because a lot of folks are used to that gauge and they not you know you have to look at a computer screen now it's not that mechanical gauge but it's you know it's a total different feel it's got like i said it's gonna be real interesting to watch them race this weekend and see you know because there'll be a lot of rust out there from folks we gotta we gotta go do one of those interactive like NASCAR experience. Oh, they used to have them a long time ago in Jackson. They had one. It had the little cars. It would jack up and turn around. It was really fun, but it, it I, I can tell you, it, you didn't have the seat. You didn't have that feel that he was going fast. No, I'm talking about I want to do it at Talladega. We oh, got to do yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Well, let's just say we did it at Bristol, and that's pretty exciting Ooh. itself. I like it. Gary, thanks. Let's do this again soon. Next oh, yeah. week, good for Thank you. Thank y'all. Y'all have a good one. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour coming up. That means the college football fix when we come back. Back with you as we roll into the 5 o'clock hour on this Thursday. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. That was fun. With Scary Gary on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Glad to have you along for the ride. The C Spire text line is open 601 879 4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work from anywhere toolkit from C Spire Business featuring powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. With C Spire Business, it's easy to give your team the tools to get things done regardless of where they are. You can share files in seconds. You're able to chat on any device. You can meet virtually and uh, a whole lot more all over a secure cloud-based solutions setup with uh, dedicated local support. Also, easily add industry-leading software like Outlook, Word, Excel, OneDrive, SharePoint, and Teams with Office 365 from Microsoft and access virtual meeting spaces with features like streamlined screen sharing and calendar integration through UC1. 
Both are even better with best-in-class reliability and award-winning support from the good folks at C Spire Business. Get your organization remote work ready today at cspire.com slash business. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. The F-150, Super Duty, maybe it's the Ranger that you're looking for. F-150 is the best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. Check it out today. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Hey, Borky, did you see where the doofus admitted that he didn't have any, uh, really, any control over reopening college football? Oh, it's about time. Uh, but they, they did another news cycle the other day. Did you see that? Where it, uh, I can't decide if it's like reporters keep asking him for his input or he just is willing to give it. But like it ran in The Athletic, a place where you think that, I mean, they would know that Mark Emmert has no control over FCS or FBS college football. And yet they still ran a story with his comments on it. It's bizarre. John Taylor at College Football Talk, which is part of NBC Sports, wrote this. The testicularly challenged NCAA and its emperor with no clothes figurehead have finally acknowledged what everyone knew all along. Inadvertently, but they acknowledged it. (laughs) How about that for a lead? What a sentence. Wow. says, earlier this month, the NCAA released nine core principles that will guide the group through reopening collegiate athletics. College football, those a different animal. Um, In January or even February or split season, they've looked at a bunch of different options. Tuesday, it was reported that Alabama was looking to swap out USC for TCU for its 2020 season opener because parts of California are looking to uh, extend their stay-at-home orders through at least the middle of August. Subsequent to that, President Mark Emmert told ESPN.com that it's not the NCAA's job to determine when sports return. Hmm. Here here was his quote. Normally, there's an agreed-upon start date for every sport, every season, but under these circumstances, now that's all been derailed by the pandemic won't be the conferences that can do that either. It will be the local and state health officials that say whether or not you can open and play football with fans. We already saw the Oregon governor offering her views on what's likely to happen in September. The Pac-12 can say, gee, we'd all like to open up on this date, but whether or not you can is going to be ultimately up to the state and local health officials and the campus itself making a decision whether or not they want to go forward. Huh. It's almost like he was like, yeah, I, I, I got no power here. None. Not one little bit. Who's the commissioner of the MAC? Because he has more power than Mark Emmert on this. Yeah, and they've kind of reshaped things already in the MAC, right? Yeah, I saw Akron today, sadly. Hey, this is what's coming. Um, it's not just going to be a small school like Akron that was already on life support, but they're, I mean, on the education side... Uh, cutting a lot, and then on the athletic side, uh, cutting a lot more. It's it's really sad what's going to happen to uh, – football's going to survive because it's what makes money. Men's basketball is going to survive because it's what makes money. But 
your cross countries and golf programs even of the world, going to be a lot fewer of them this time next year. It's really sad. Yeah. Jay Billis also said earlier this week, you have to remember the NCAA office in Indianapolis has no say over football. And the SEC or the Big Ten, if they feel like they're safe enough to play football, they're playing football. And the NCAA is not going to be able to stop it. Which is basically the exact same thing. We told you right here as soon as uh, President Doofus of the NCAA opened his mouth on Friday. Hey, Dad, you look like you have something on your mind. It's just it's just pretty typical of the NCAA. They, they just seemingly are incapable of doing anything right. It's incredible that they have the power that they do today. That's like because, as you said, they they seemingly have been run by nincompoops since the dawn of time. Would you like me to once again read that opening sentence? You know what? It was so good. Yes, do it again. The testicularly challenged NCAA and its emperor with no closed figurehead have finally acknowledged what everyone knew all along. Inadvertently, <laughs> but they acknowledged it. That is well done by John Taylor at NBC Sports. Uh, Kudos wow. to John Taylor. CollegeFootballTalk.com if you want to uh, read the article for yourself. Um. So yeah, it doesn't matter what they say. Now... Oh, which which actually raises a question. I know where you're going with this, I think. Why is it that they have the power to penalize for rules being broken? It's a wonderful question. Huh? This name image. No say so over football. None. They reap no financial benefit from it. They don't administer it, but there's this big old fat rule book that college football has to follow, and if you happen to get an investigator with an agenda, look out, we are coming for you. Oh, stop rolling your eyes, hey dad. Like you didn't deal with the exact same flipping thing with Jojo Meyer all those years ago. Y'all should sue him. Worked for Jack. Yeah. Kind After about of. three decades. Well, he, got, he got his money out of it. That's all that matters. Do we know how much? It was not uh, how much. I was told it was in the mid-six figures. I, 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 buddy, I'm, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. I don't think so. Okay. Do you think he spent mid-six figures for legal fees over the course of two decades to fight the NCAA? I don't know. My, my guess is he probably had some friendly lawyers willing to work for him on that one. For two decades? I, mean, I don't know. How much work was it really? They, they were in court like once every six months. Well, it's not how they're built. Like you just show up. I know. I'm just saying. I don't think. I don't know. I don't know how much he spent, but I think he got the. I think he got what he wanted out of it. He got retribution, is what he really wanted. He got. Or not, maybe not retribution. What's the word I'm looking for? Vindication. Vindication. Thank you. You're I wasn't welcome. up to date on my dashboard confessional there. Uh, yeah, anyway. No, I mean, all of that became from me saying you rolling your eyes. No, my, my point is, though, and hey, roll your eyes if you want to. Obviously, Mike Sheridan had a deal with Ole Miss, and Ole Miss broke rules, and they got punished for it. Fine. But if you 
I don't want to do this today. Do you? It, it, I, no, I, I never want to, no. Yeah, I know. It's just strange when you look at a story like this and you're like, you're right, the NCAA the, the has arrangement absolutely of, of, no say, except the, the, for we have the ability to punish you into the Stone Age. Yeah, the, 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 the entire setup is archaic, and it's just not put, what, put together very well, period. No. There is a 14-person medical panel, one representative from each SEC school that is going to advise the conference about reopening procedures. Uh, that person, I don't think I've got the release pulled up. I'll tell you who those people are for Mississippi State and Ole Miss when we uh, come back. Here it is. Uh, for Mississippi State, Dr. Cliff Story, who is Director of University Health Services, and for Ole Miss, uh, Dr. Marshall Crowther, who is the Medical Director and Sports Medicine Physician at Ole Miss. They will be joined by 12 others, each school represented, and uh, that group is going to... Uh, Help membership make decisions related to the return of athletics activities, including team gatherings, practices, conditioning, and competition. May I just say, how about them Doosan Bears? I feel like Randy Quaid in Major League Two. Get the get the bulldozers in here. What are those you hear? Those are Lottie Giant Tears. <laughs> Lottie Giant Tears. Fool's gold out of the gate. Undefeated through five games. Losers of two of their last three. They'll never overcome it. Meanwhile, in the, uh, the land of Doosan, they're already getting ring sizes done. Planning the parade route. And uh, just making sure the champagne is on ice. It's a good time to be a Doosan Bear. Good time indeed. Rippy, how's your team doing? Which one hey, was Rippy, it again? Do, do you do you even remember who your team is? No, I don't. Was it? It was I. Did you have the heroes or the eagles? You had the kind no, of heroes. No, it was the heroes. I didn't have the eagles. I know. I would have remembered if it was a bird. I had a hero. The, yeah, so tough, how are they, are they? Are they good? T- tough loss against a terrible Samsung team yesterday. Yeah, well, they make terrible phones too. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, uh, Borky, congratulations on Hanwha's win. Oh, thank you. Well earned four to one victory. Four yeah. runs in the top of the first didn't scratch the rest of the way. Good thing you had a good start. Yeah, teams really uh, hitting their stride, especially the bullpen, really strong. What city am I? Kaiwum. Beautiful this time of year. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> Gorgeous. So, complete non sequitur, but I wanted to, to bring this up. This, this whole is mind segment blowing has been a me. complete non sequitur, but please go ahead. Um, you guys may not remember, it's an old hit that James Harrison put on Muhammad Massaquai back in the day. Um, it's one of the most violent hits on a football field you've probably ever seen. Went straight for the head, got fined $75,000 for it. 
Okay. He was the first guest on a new podcast uh, hosted by Barstool. And he said on the podcast, Mike Tomlin, quote, handed me an envelope after that. Called it the giest thing that he's ever seen. Mike Tomlin handed me an envelope after that. I'm not going to say what, but he handed me an envelope. I'm sure it was a handwritten letter just thanking him for his, uh, you know, commitment to the yeah. Steelers. Not thanking him. He was probably telling him, hey, don't do that again. That's, well, not, how that's, the, that's not how the Steelers operate. What would Maybe the statute to... of limitations on something like that be? I mean, it... what are they going to do to Tomlin? Find him again? Like, um, they didn't do anything. A certain could... football coach for the New Orleans Saints missed a significant amount of time because his team had a bounty system that was Lost not run by him. Too. Uh, I don't think it's a bounty system. He's just covering the fine for him, was he not? Well, I don't know. If they did it right after the game, he wouldn't have known he was getting fined. So you read this as a pay for, like, a, you, you read this the same thing as Bounty Gate. What's the difference? Well, they were offering like rewards for hitting and injuring. Like I think he was just like, here, yeah, he I'll knocked out the Browns' best player, and immediately after, handed him an envelope. Uh, well, I read. Well, do that we know the it, timing on when the envelope was yeah. handed off? Like I'm saying uh, the gist thing ever probably means like, hey, coach paid my fine. Pretty sweet. Not, hey, check out this bounty system. Because like, it wouldn't be the gist thing ever if it happened He doesn't more than specify once. exactly what time, but he says after. After the hit, he handed me an envelope. We need to check the film. Maybe it was on the sidelines. I mean, we can't really assume that that was like in the post-game locker room. Like Mike Tomlin would just have seventy-five k lying around and would stick it in an envelope before he even knew how much the fine was going to no, be. No, it's real G's have seventy-five k. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's worth exploring, is it not? If you guys don't remember the hit, I'll send it to you. I mean, he clearly went after the head of the Browns' best player. If, if I remember head, correctly. Borky, I was all ready to jump on the Saints bandwagon, but I forgot that all Saints fans are conspiracy theorists, and you know it all comes back to, oh, this, they're at, they're they're about to get us. Wait, what are you talking about? That does not apply here at all. Oh, it was a Saints coach that got suspended for a long time after Bounty Gate. We got to have you know equal punishment for uh, the great Mike Tomlin. After the yeah, last segment, I figured you'd like conspiracies. I, I tend to err on the side of everything should be enforced equally, but I have morals, so. Yeah, well, maybe you could work for the NCAA. <laughs> I would have to sacrifice all, my, all of mine for that, but I will take you their salaries, You could be the agent though. of change. I just, I just need to know what the salary is, and, and my morals and what few I have. Is There's right like the seven people up there that make over a million dollars a year. Can you believe make that? Make it eight. Make it eight. I'll be on the show tomorrow I'll be like, well, you guys really deserve that punishment. I don't know what to tell you. Just saying, it very well could have been just covering the fine. However, coaches shouldn't be covering fines of players that make a hit that violently anyway. That seems kind of odd. But also, it's worth worth asking, poking that's, that's, around that, a little that's bit. That's got to be more, uh, more prevalent than we probably know, though, don't you think? Of course. That coaches and, and other players are probably chipping in to get fines covered. There was an auction on line to have uh, dinner with Tom Brady. A man paid 
$800,000 in an online auction to have dinner with Tom Brady. The man is 25 years old. He's doing okay for himself. He's got to be one of those YouTubers. His name is Logan 30 Acre. A lot of unboxing videos. He is an internet sensation known as Super Bowser Logan, who's made a fortune creating multiple YouTube channels based on his love of Super Mario video games. I really did miss my calling on some things, it appears. At one point, Logan, who plays with puppets and puts them on YouTube, was reportedly making close to $1 million a month in YouTube revenue. All the money raised in the auction goes toward feeding hungry families during the COVID-19 pandemic. Certainly a noble cause there. Hmm. In these uncertain times. <laughs> Start a Red Dead channel when I get home. Jeffy and Scooter. Those are his puppets. Life sure. is weird. I'm t- see. I'm scared to raise my son in that kind of environment where, like, that person is famous instead of him looking up to like a basketball player or I, just somebody that does things of substance. If you make a million a month in revenue uh, legally, more power. I mean, to congratulations. You. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm good, not knocking the you, people but... that are that are making the money. I'm just worried that. Like, my kid's going to want to do that instead of play outside or something. If that kid can make a million dollars a month, you should funnel him into yeah, that. Yeah, you as should hope as he possible. does that instead of play outside. Take away yeah. a sandbox. I imagine YouTube multimillionaires are the same as athletes in that there are so many. Golfers, for example. How many people play golf? How many people make money playing golf? I have a feeling, in fact, I have a pretty good idea that there are far more failed YouTube channels than there are ones that make millions of dollars. A little bulky, Just crushing the kids' hopes and dreams content. already? Just trying to right. put them into reality. You can be anything you want. No, no you can't. I can't be LeBron. I haven't seen a U- uh, I'm just kind of looking at his Instagram page. I can't find a post on Instagram with fewer than 10,000 likes. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. What a world. How's, how's it going? Good for him. Guy gives the people what they want. You know what, Rippy? I'm not taking away my kid's sandbox. If that means I'm taking away a million dollars a month from them at some point in their life going forward, so be it. Yeah, kids, you could have been rich, but Daddy wanted you to play outside. See? This is why I don't go outside. All the money's indoors. How's that working out for you? Living the life here in Starville. Life is good, huh? Easily, like, the second or third most popular guy in this town. Logan 30 Acre does not, um, never mind. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, uh, yeah. The, sometimes I just thought a sentence and just see where it goes. Just, just, just stop. <sighs> the, 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 the reality that he makes a million dollars a month is setting in on Richard. Look at him. 
I bet he can't drive a stick shift. I bet he can't either, but he gets somebody to do it for him in a million a I month. I bet he's got a driver, though. Yeah, he eats that sushi it. stuff. He's got a bidet, too. High high velocity. Oh, probably got, probably got a Prius because he wants to be green. Exactly. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm. Are we on minutes YouTube? to go? We'll be right back. We need to be. Orky, you remember when we uh, we did the show from Ingalls Shipbuilding? I do. That was, was that last fall. Feels like an eternity ago. ago, but so does last week. Yeah, I don't remember the exact date. I do remember coming away just blown away with the size and the scope of everything that was happening there. Everything is big. Like the you know, the, the hangars in which they, you know, do construction in dry spaces, the the boats, ships, sorry, ships that they're working on. Just the scale of the whole place is massive. The cranes, it's all big. But I saw something while I was there that I had never seen before. As we were kind of taking the tour and and I mean this was like the most innocuous thing ever nobody would have noticed this or thought anything about it walk past a vending machine right I mean you're used to walking past a vending machine where you can buy nabs or you can buy pop tarts or you can buy bags of chips or packs of gum or whatever but it was a different kind of vending machine it was a vending machine that had gloves and masks and face shields and whatnot you know protective eyewear and I realized, okay, they're really serious about safety. And I mean, I think workers have cards that they can swipe if they need to replace it, and then I'm sure it gets billed to certain departments or, or whatever. But I'd never seen that before, where there was a vending machine with anything other than snacks in it. Fast forward to 2020. Story from Fox 5 in Vegas. McCarran Airport tweeted earlier today, a new option to help protect yourself and others while traveling. Las Vegas International Airport was the first airport to install PPE vending machines from which travelers can purchase items like gloves and hand sanitizer. They didn't put prices in there. I tried to zoom in on the picture, but I couldn't figure out exactly what the prices on these were. But you can buy masks and gloves and sanitary wipes and hand sanitizer. Not like not sanitary, like yeah, I know. We're good. Sorry. Yeah. Spray bottles of hand sanitizer and whatnot. It's all free if you play at the tables for an hour. They do have slot machines in the airport there, don't they? Yes, they do. Have you ever played an airport slot machine in Vegas? No, but the times I have flown out of Vegas have always been super early, and I've just wanted to like try to sleep. I'm talking about flying in. Like, oh, you land and you feel like, I need to... No, I don't play the slots in the actual casino. I certainly don't play them at the airport. What else have they got in the airport? Video poker? I believe there's video poker, yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Anyway. I, uh... But if you travel a lot now, you, you've seen the vending machines in the airports where you can buy anything. You can buy headphones oh, in them now. Yeah. I was say, I think I was in Dallas the first time. This was probably, oh, it was probably 10 years ago when I passed a, a vending machine in the Dallas airport where it was like, 
oh wow, you can buy an iPod and Beats by Dre and you know earbuds and hey, there's an iPad in there. <laughs> you want to swipe your credit card for four hundred bucks in the airport? You can get an iPad out of a vending machine. It makes sense. I mean, it's convenient, but anyway, just kind of saw that and was amused by it a little bit. Joe Buck did an interview on Andy Cohen Live yesterday, and he said that pumping fake crowd noise into Fox broadcast is pretty much a done deal. And then went on to say, in fact, I know they'll do it. So, Borky, you said earlier today that you thought there was a significant chance of missing something if you pumped crowd noise in, and you you pointed to the UFC fight last night as uh, as an example. Yeah, especially because this is such a unique situation. Uh, of course, I want crowds in stadiums, but since there's a possibility that we will not have them, I kind of want to hear the pads popping, and coaches yelling, and players yelling. In fact, I would probably pay a little extra to watch an NFL game that was not filtered. If you had on field mics and just they picked up whatever was said on the field, I'd pay for that even. Since you have a unique situation like this, own it. Let us hear that. It was that video from UFC last night, one fighter apologizing to the other because they wouldn't end the fight and he was beating him so bad. He took a second to say, I'm sorry, but but this is the job. And the, the guy returning and saying, I understand, I get it. And they went back to fighting. That That's so cool. And... We never hear that in football. We never hear coaches yelling. We never hear plays, players yelling at each other. We get the cadences sometimes. I want to hear it all. If there's going to be no fans, don't give me fake noise. I want to hear the real noise. So, Joe Buck also said in this interview they're looking at ways of putting virtual fans in the stands. So when you look and you see a wide shot, it's going to look like the stadium is packed. You ever watch one of those virtual tours of like a, a stadium rendering? Like, hey, yeah, we saw it when uh, the renderings came out for the hump. Yeah. Like, they've, they've populated the, the seats with fans. Yeah. There's a joke there, but I'll just move on. <laughs> Sorry. I'm making you house. laugh. You're just not doing it out loud. <laughs> I laughed. Um, you could also make the same joke about Ole Miss football from a year ago. It's, it's, it's cool. We're, we're all yeah. in this together. It's um, fun, yeah. Friendly rivalry. The That's kind of cool, isn't it? So as you don't have yeah. to watch the stadium full of empty fans, they'll make it look yeah. like it's full even if it's not? Yeah. That said, I feel like I'm Mr. Walk it back today. Joe Buck tweeted that, and SI Now deleted their tweet that said, Joe says, amazing the headline doesn't match what I said. Didn't think that happened at places like SI. I've been saying for over a month, including on HBO in April, that some ambient crowd noise under a broadcast is a simple, necessary tool to normalize the viewing experience at home. There is no traditional take, blah, blah, blah. Basically, he walked all his comments back. said they're working on it, but nothing is done for sure. Well, okay, so some ambient noise in the background, that makes sense, where there's just like kind of a, a steady little din of like murmur, yeah. like, like yeah. The, the crowd noise. But I was thinking about this, and, and I was thinking that I saw some of his original comments or some quotes that were attributed to him that said, you know, the person that's in charge of that is going to have to really be in tune with what's happening in the game. And I was thinking about how difficult a job that could be unless there was some, like, artificial intelligence that was put in. So, so think about it. You have a person in a control room who is responsible for 
fake crowd noise that has to be in sync with what's happening on the field. So, so think about crowd reactions as a big play is developing. And I think it would be really, really hard to be able to hit the buttons to do all of those things. So if there was some sort of artificial intelligence where you could almost strap I, I don't I'm like I don't even know what I'm saying here, but just go with me. If there was like a virtual reality headset where somebody watching the game could be genuinely excited about what was going on and then you could mimic his reaction like individually and vocally times fifty thousand, that'd be the coolest thing ever. From a technology standpoint. So if you had somebody that was watching a game, let's just say he's watching the Saints and the Falcons play, and maybe it's two people. Maybe one's actually a Saints fan and one's a Falcons fan, and they're supposed to react in real time. So Drew Brees catches the snap. You're just watching the play develop, watching the play develop. He rolls out to his right. He breaks a, you know out of the grasp of some guy, and you have like a, <gasps> like a gasp reaction, and then lets it fly. And you kind of stand up and in sync, the people in the, the stands stand up with him. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see Michael Thomas catch it in stride and take it into the end zone. And you're like jumping around and going crazy. Mm-hmm. That sounds crazy, but the, I I could almost guarantee you they have the technology to do that. That's gotta, It's probably I, totally doable, yeah. I, I don't know if they do or they don't. But I wish I was smart enough to develop that technology if it doesn't already exist. Because think about, who knows? I mean, maybe it's empty stadiums for the whole year. Maybe it's for three weeks. But what if you could actually implement that and sync it up with the broadcast in real time so that if you're watching, you're getting the visceral reaction of a Saints fan or a Falcons fan as it is happening? That would be so cool. Oh, you could definitely. That's how they film movies and do video games and stuff now. They put, like, sensors on these people and, and then animate them from there who what would stop you from just projecting that image multiple times in the stadium i they can absolutely do that but do it in real time you think i bet yeah i mean how do they record it and put it in the games or movies it it's a a video feed of some kind yeah but i mean there's got to be an editing process with there where they're syncing everything up i would think well, you think about video games, though, right? I mean, I'm not trying to poo-poo my own idea, no, by the way. No, I think no, no. it's brilliant. But think about like a video game. You know, I throw a <laughs> touchdown pass, and the yeah, fans yeah, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. The fans react. There's got to be some sort of algorithm that you and I obviously don't know how to do. Maybe Rippy does. He's a doctor, and and that's that. That would make it work. I think his doctorate's in the field of liberal arts. <laughs> liberal arts. I get it. <laughs> Wow. Rippy is a meme of himself. <laughs> is he further back there? Uh, yeah. We will... Uh-
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.